Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Welcome. Good to see you. A lot of familiar faces. Yes, lovely. I'm going to start with a beautiful sound. Just enjoy the sound of this bowl. And let's be fully here now. Sometimes we are going from one place to the other. And then even when you come to events like this, you're wondering, is it happening here or here? Let's enjoy the sound. Shanti, and God called me Nitya. And uh, I was just reflecting that there are different kinds of gatherings that we go for. So one kind of gathering is when you go to learn something. So you go to a workshop or you go to a classroom. And the idea is what can we learn over here? So the emphasis is on content. And so you'll often say, you know, what will you learn here? Step one, step two, step three. Often there's a test at the end. Did you really learn it? That's content. Another kind of gathering is more on context. Why are we here? What's the purpose? In fact, that's actually very important. If you don't even know why you're here, right? There's a, there was a philosopher, French philosopher, and he had an answering machine. If you called his answering machine, the message was, people call answering machines and they're asked to leave a message as to who they are and what they want. And most people go through their entire lives without answering those two questions. <laughs> Who they really are and what they really want. They never get in touch with that. So there's context as to why we're here. But there's something even deeper than that. There's connect. So for example, if you meet your friend, you don't say, hey, why are we meeting? <laughs> when you meet your friend, it's just the meeting. The meeting in itself is complete. It's not, what can, what can you teach me in this meeting? What can I get out of this meeting? It's not, why are we meeting? Okay, why are we here? Right. We're just meeting for the sake of meeting. So certain meetings are very precious. They are meeting for the sake of meeting. And that is very unique, that is very blessed. So I would like to invite us that whatever you came here for, you may have come here to learn some content. You may or may not get that. <laughs> you may have come with an idea of why you're here. You want to answer some question or you have some agenda. And each of us may have a different context, why we're here, right? But what if we keep it really simple and we use this as an opportunity just to connect? To connect with what? To connect with what's here. Because ta it's taken us our whole life to get here. I once wrote a couple of lines and it goes like this. A part of us has already arrived. 
and a part of us is always arriving. So a part of us has already arrived and a part of us is still trying to arrive. <laughs> still not sure if this is it. <laughs> I saw a cartoon of two Zen masters or rather two Zen monks. One of them looks like an older monk and one looks like a younger monk. And the older monk is whispering to the younger monk, nothing happens next. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> so a lot of our life is about what happens next, what's next, what's next. Even I meet people on the spiritual path, they come to me, Nitya, I've been practicing for 20 years, 30 years, I've been meditating, I've done this, I've done that, I've met these gurus. What's next? <laughs> because we are looking for something special. So this morning this nice thought came to me and once in a while I'll make you say things aloud so that we make sure you're all awake. <laughs> so say with me, meditation, meditation. is a well-deserved holiday, well holiday from seeking, from seeking a, particular experience. a particular experience. Because would you agree much of our life is about seeking some particular experience? And the reason we get upset is when whatever we expected didn't happen. In fact, that's a great definition of anger. Anger is defined as frustrated expectation. You had some kind of a strong desire and the desire was not met. So it's frustrated expectation, that's anger. So, so much of our life is looking for a particular experience and hoping for some particular experience. And the funny thing is, even if you have it, even if you get it, does it really satisfy us? Because have you noticed, you go to a friend's home and they serve you some food. And it's looking very good, it's smelling really good, already you're really enticed. And then you just take one bite. And before you finish chewing that bite, you ask, Is ki recipe bata? Tabhi pura enjoy bhi nahi kiya, apne khatam bhi nahi kiya hai. Aur abhi se recipe bata, kyun recipe bata? Because we want to now capture that experience. We want to own it. So we can't just let experiences flow. It has to be, okay, now I, want to, I like it. It should be here. I should control it. It should always be here. Right? But what is it like to not seek a particular experience? Even in meditation. Even meditation becomes about seeking a particular experience. Dhyan karo ke toko roshni dik jayegi. Badi shanti mil jayegi. So even that, that comes in the way. Now imagine you call a friend and say, let's meet. Let's meet tomorrow evening. Are you free? Yeah, I'm free. Let's meet. But just make sure you make me peaceful. <laughs> now how will you feel if your friend calls you up and says, just make sure you make me peaceful. What, what is that? Can't we just meet? Can't we just meet as friends? Why do I have to now make you peaceful? Why this expectation? I have to make you peaceful. It's so strange when a friend tells you things like that. You come, but make sure you only are nice to me the whole time. <laughs> So that feels really strange, but we do it all the time with ourselves. And so many people tell me, I can't meditate because when I meditate, I, too many thoughts come. I just can't sit still. Oh, you have a contract. So when you sit with yourself, you should feel a certain way. Then it's considered okay. Otherwise, it's not good enough. Otherwise, you can't meet this person. And so our own relationship with ourselves becomes very weak. We can't allow ourselves to just be. So one of my uh, teachers, Ajahn Brahm, told a nice story about um, a person who calls his friend and says, hey, are you available for, uh, why don't you join me for, 
for a cup of tea. And we'll go to this particular restaurant, the one that I like, not the one that you know, that stupid restaurant that you like. We'll go to the one that I like. And we'll sit on that seat that I like, not next to the window the way you like it. And we'll order these things that I like, not those uh, you know, sugary things that you like. <laughs> and we'll sit for exactly 60 minutes, right? Not more, not, not a minute more, not a minute less. Would you like to come? And the person says, you know, I would have liked to come, but I have a dentist appointment, so I can't come. <laughs> so they don't want to come. <laughs> and now another person calls his friend and says, uh, hey, I'd love to meet you. Where would you like to go? I'd like to go to that restaurant. All right. And so, okay, so where would you like to go? We'll go wherever you want to go. We'll sit wherever you want to sit. We'll eat whatever you want to eat. We'll be there for as long as you want to be there. Would you like to come? And the person says, you know what, I've got a dentist appointment, but I'm going to cancel it and I'm going to come. <laughs> <laughs> you see that? Because you would love to meet a friend like that. Now, uh, compare this analogy to meditation. That's how we talk in meditation. Okay, now you're going to sit. <laughs> you're going to put the agarvati on. <laughs> you're going to sit. You're going to sit here for exactly one hour, not a minute, not a minute less, and your mind will not go to all those other things, you'll only stay on the topic I've given you, right? And it becomes like a militant thing. It becomes so mili mil militaristic. You're trying to get to a certain experience. And then, our rest of our life is also like that. Now we are milit militant with everybody else. Our kids have to be a certain way. Every, the whole country, everything, everybody has to be a certain way. They have to match our expectations of how the world should be. So my teacher introduced a new word. He said, well, that's mindfulness, but let's have a new word. Say with me, kindfulness. Kindfulness. And what a lovely word, isn't that a lovely word? Kindfulness, where you have a new relationship with yourself, a relationship of kindness. Right. So dear mind, let's meditate. Would you like to meditate? How would you like to sit on a chair or on the ground? <laughs> would you like to sit outside or in an AC room? <laughs> would you like to play some music when you meditate? Would you like to meditate? <laughs> And it sounds like you're pampering yourself, but why not once in a while just pamper yourself and just be kind? Why does it have to always be so strict and heavy? Why do we make everything so strict and heavy? Why can't it just be about connection? Why can't it just be? So a nice, uh, a nice teaching is, please say this with me, everything, everything. is right here. What this means is, whatever you're searching for, could it be that it's right here? Whatever we're so desperate, has it ever happened to you? You're looking all over the house for your glasses? But where are they? <laughs> or they're hanging here? <laughs> they're hanging here. Or has it ever happened? I phone not It actually happened to some people. <laughs> I wonder where I put my phone. <laughs> they're holding it in their hand, right? And we play this game sometimes. We don't notice. So could it be that what we are seeking for it's already here. A person emailed me the other day, I'm having a retreat in Bali. So he said, Nitya, I want to come, but I'm not sure if I should come. Can you tell me what are the benefits I'll get? <laughs> so I said, you'll get a lot of benefits, provided you don't come looking for benefits. <laughs> if you come looking for benefits, then I don't know what you're going to get. But if you can let go of your expectation, then guess what? You're going to get so many benefits. Isn't that true? When you just show up without worrying about what will I get, what will I not get, that's usually the most miraculous thing that happens. I've noticed in myself and also other people who come and talk to me, 
that is usually in the transitions of our life. You know, we're transitioning from one job to another job, from one city to another city, from one relationship to another relationship. We're transitioning, sometimes even from one guru to another guru, <laughs> or from one spiritual path to another spiritual path, or from one way of life to another way of life. We're transitioning. Those middle areas where you can't really define, you can't really say, I am this and I am that. I do this or I do that. You can't properly define it. They're the most magical areas of our life. Is it true? Yes. Has that happened to you? Yeah. It's the places where amazing people show up, amazing books show up, amazing coincidences show up. It's like life is trying to guide us. But we're not used to having those gaps, you know. We want it to be structured, we want it to be defined. We feel very un un uncomfortable in having that undefined space. It has to be crisp and clear. But if you would just, just allow it, you'll find just relaxing into that, life will lead you. Somehow you were born to a particular set of parents in a particular society, particular country. Who decided that? Did you really decide that? Did you really have this master plan and say, pe Better to be born in Vasant Vihar than to be born in somewhere else. You don't decide that. Life decides that. Which part of Delhi you were born, you know, which kind of parents you were born, what their habit patterns are. And so if life had that big decision was made by life, could it be that the other decisions also that don't require such heaviness on your part, such tightness on your part? So today's uh, discussion is about presence and gratitude, and two of my favorite topics. Presence is what is here now. And gratitude is, everything is here now. <laughs> right. Presence is noticing what is here, to be alert to it, to be attentive to it, to pay attention. There's a favorite uh, joke about paying attention, this uh, village school, English class was going on. This is a remote village school. Very rarely any plane goes overhead. So this particular day, a plane goes overhead and they can hear in the classroom the plane is going over and the kids are. They have to see this plane. So even though they know they're going to get in trouble, they can't hold back and they get up from their seat and they rush to the window. And they're all looking up, they're all, where is the plane, where is the plane? And one of them says, Boeing. <laughs> and they all say, Boeing, 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 Boeing. And the English is very upset. In the middle of my class, these kids have all just stood up. And she shouts at them, be silent. They said, all right. Boeing, 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 Boeing. <laughs> 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 but there are certain experiences that really make us silent, that take away the need for further chatter, 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 non-stop, talking, talking, describing, describing, everything describing. So my description is not needed. Yeah. I think the, the best use of thought is to actually step beyond thought, is to recognize the limitation of thought and to be willing to step beyond thought. I don't know if my mic is gone. Yeah. So, um, I'm back, yeah, good. So, let's do a practice now on presence. And the question you'll ask yourself is, and please say this with me, what am I aware of? <coughs> so you could be aware of things around you, the sensory experience, just you're seeing things, you're hearing things, smelling, tasting, touching, feeling things. And of course within the body there may be certain sensations, you may feel light 
or you may feel heavy. You may feel very calm or you may feel a little agitated. Your body might be feeling quite pleasant or maybe even unpleasant. Maybe someone's not feeling very well today. You may have a headache, who knows. Right? So, but very simply, what am I aware of right now? Alright, so go ahead, just tune into this. What am I aware of? And your eyes could be open or closed, whatever you're comfortable with, that's fine. Awareness is simply the capacity to notice something. The capacity to notice. Could be inside the body, could be around you. This capacity to notice. What am I aware of? first thing I'd like you to do is to notice whatever you're aware of, could be outside, could be inside. Is it absolutely stable or is it changing? So go ahead and investigate. Is this absolutely stable or is it changing? And notice it experientially, not intellectually. Actually see it and check. there's no right or wrong answer, just notice, is it stable or is it changing? And explore your own experience. What am I aware of right now?
Now take a slow deep breath. You can slowly open your eyes. Say with me, how wonderful. So this was known as, please say with me, the direct experience. The direct experience. Of what is happening. Because what is your direct experience of what is happening? So seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, feeling, right? And checking, is it stable or is it changing? What did you notice? Stable or changing? Stable. Right. Stable. Changing. Just notice it. And you're bringing your attentiveness to whatever is happening, right? What is the present reality of what's going on right now? What am I aware of? The content of my experience. The content of my experience. Now we'll take one more step and we'll shift from the content of our experience to that which is experiencing it. Now this is something we very rarely do. We're mostly caught up in the content of our experience. Like for example, when you're reading the book, you're mostly focused on the words. How often do you pay attention to the page? To the page? <laughs> How often do you pay attention to the quality of the paper? It's just the words. We get captivated by them. When you're watching television, we are mostly caught up in the content of the television. We miss the fact that this is a television. When we enter the room, we notice what is in the room. We miss the space in the room. But that is also, in fact, a room is defined by its space. <laughs> and without that TV, you cannot have any images. And without that canvas, you cannot have a painting. And without that page, you cannot have a writing on it. And without the silence, you cannot have the music. Imagine playing music in a noisy street, you can't really appreciate that music because it requires a background of silence in order to have that music. So there is something that is present in every experience but we are so caught up by the content of the experience we miss that and that is the subject of the experience, that which is witnessing it. So the question that we said the statement earlier was what am I what do we say? What am I aware of right now? So here we are now going to come to the word I and we are going to ask a different question. We are going to ask, please say with me, where is the I located? And again there is no right and wrong answer. Right? So where is the I located? So I want you to check. So now whatever you are aware of could be what you are seeing, could be what you are feeling. Now check. Where is this I located? And some people feel it in the head, some people feel it in the heart, some people feel it behind themselves, around themselves. There's no right or wrong answer, just check. Where is the eye located? And some people will feel the eye in more than one place. But can you identify the one biggest place? Where is the eye located? There is no right or wrong answer.
and notice the texture of the eye. Is it loose or is it tight? Does it have a color to it? Does it have a shape? Is it concentrated or diffuse? Big or small? Get familiar with the eye. Where is this eye located? And don't try to jump philosophically into some, oh, but there is no eye. There is a sense of eye. Whatever your sense of eye, stay with that. That is very precious. Where is your sense of eye located? slow deep breath. Let's say together, how wonderful. Now can someone tell me what they notice? Where is your eye located? Everywhere. Hmm? Everywhere. Everywhere. How wonderful. Somebody else? In my head. In the head. Okay. So somewhere in the head. Was it in the forehead? Also more in the mind. More in the mind, right? Yeah. So just lo general life location was in there. That's fine. Anybody else? I felt it outside. The that's fine. So like somewhere here, all right. That's totally fine. Yeah. Anybody else? I felt it more in the upper part of the body. In the upper part of the body. It was fluid. It was more fluid. Very nice. That's totally fine. Thank you. Somebody else? Heart. Sorry. Heart. In the heart. In the heart. Yeah. Somebody else? Felt it in the breath. In the breath, oh, that's interesting. Very interesting. So you felt the eye was in the breath. Beautiful. Anybody else? Yeah. Well, it seems to me that uh, it doesn't matter where it's located. What's important is that it's coloring everything that I see and hear. Right. So you notice that. You notice that. So you were not able to find a, 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 a fixed location for it. But you could feel that it's actually coloring your experience. Is that right? All right. Fine. Anybody else? Yeah. I could sense the presence in that soul. So like a presence behind the physical being, all right. So even the, even that will be behind right? the, the sense of is it, it is the right. Okay, fine. Sure, that's fine. And we're asking a different kind of question than we normally ask in spirituality. We normally ask, "Who am I?" But I'm changing the question here, and let's see what happens because we do have a sense of I, right? And you can see everybody has it differently. For someone, it's fluid. For someone, it's in the head. For someone, it's just a presence, right? For someone that's everywhere, and that might change. Next time I ask you, you know, let's be clear, it's changing all the time. <laughs> like if, if you all suddenly look at you and say, what kind of a sari is this? Suddenly the eye will come in. <laughs> How can you say that, right? <laughs> right? Because our eye can get very concentrated, right? And then again, it can get very diffuse. Right? So in environments like this, where you're feeling safe, the eye is quite relaxed. But then you go out and someone starts fighting with you over parking, and then the eye can get very pronounced, you know? How dare you? <laughs> right? It can change. Anybody else wants to share? Uh, yeah. I, uh, I didn't see, there was no, I, but it kept coming as me. me. A sense of me. Just a sense of me. A sense of me. And anywhere, did you feel it anywhere in particular? <coughs> That's fine. Okay. So the first question we asked is, what am I experiencing right now? And could be anything outside, inside. Could even be in your imagination. You're experiencing it. What am I experiencing right now? And then the second question is, where is the eye located? 
And now whatever you're experiencing, whether wherever you're feeling it, would you agree that wherever you're feeling it and whatever you're feeling, it is a subset of your larger experience? I mean, they're the full, they're the full experience of life, and this is a part of that experience. So it could be a flow in the chest, or it could be the breath, right? it could be an idea like everywhere. But that is a subset of our full experience. Yes? Is that, is that alright? Right? So, can we say that that is only a partial, that is not fully you, that is partially you? So I'm going to make a simple invitation now. And please say this with me. Dear I, I invite you to relax and open. Alright, so try this. Dear I, I invite you to just relax and open. And by the way, nothing has to be done. All you're doing is making an invitation. And the I may or may not follow it, but you invited it to open and relax. You have to do absolutely nothing. Like the sun has to do absolutely nothing, the flower opens when it's ready. The sun just shines its light. So can you just shine your light on this eye, inviting it to relax and open. It does not have to feel any special way. Whatever you're feeling, maybe someone's feeling a lot, maybe someone's feeling nothing much, everything is fine. Invite the eye to relax and open. We'll do this process one more time. You'll again ask yourself, what am I aware of? 
What am I aware of right now? Could be inside, outside, doesn't matter. What am I aware of? Where is the I located? That sense of separation, that sense of this is watching that. That sense of identification, identity, personality, me, I, where is this located? This conviction that you're separate from the rest of the universe and the rest of the people in this room, where is that located? And are you invited to relax and open? Relax and open. And allow it to become one with the full experience, the full conscious experience everything. We can all take a slow deep breath. Let's say together, how wonderful. Would anyone like to share something? When they ask themselves, Allowing this to relax. Would anyone like to share? Yeah. I could just feel that uh, my physical eye is just being absorbed mm -hmm. by, uh, I don't know, 
So there was something even witnessing that that yes. physical eye. Yes, the physical eye was just being observed. Right. That's what. Udhakete drashta kind of witnessing, witnessing consciousness. Just saw that what, what was was something they were seeing. What Beautiful. Yes. And also you were seeing that because you were able to talk about it. <laughs> Anybody else? Yeah. When you asked that question the first time, mm. I felt something outside my body. Mm. Yeah, you said that. Yes. Second time, everything became very fluid. Mm. Because eased out. I, eased out, yeah. I could not. You could not, right? And as we invited it to open A sense of being, yes. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Just, a sense of being. I was just an energy part. Mm. I was just an energy, lovely. Just part of the experience. <laughs> Beautiful. Anybody else wants to share? Yeah. Earlier it was focused in the uh, mind, but yeah. I became very amorphous. Ah, very amorphous. Shape, right. It was just like a cloud. Like a cloud. Yeah. It wasn't as tight as before. No, Less dense. Than very diffused. Diffused. Very so one of the teachers I've learned a lot from is Nisargadat Maharaj, person who lived in Mumbai. And uh, Nisargadat Maharaj said once that when I see myself as nothing, that is wisdom. When I see myself as everything, that is love. When I see myself as nothing, that is wisdom. When I see myself as everything, that is love. And between these two, this life flows. And so it's interesting, if you look at Buddhist philosophy, their focus is shunyata. And shunyata does not mean emptiness as some people define it. Shunyata means empty of separation. Empty of, of something alag thalak, that is somehow separate from this big flow of life. The imagination that I am somehow distinct from this world, from this universe. So it is empty of independent existence. Everything is interconnected, interflowing. One of the teachers says interbeing, interexisting, interpenetrating, interbreathing. Right now, our minds are inter interlacing. Your thoughts are influencing mine, and my thoughts are influencing yours. We're interlacing. We're interweaving. Right? We're of course sharing the same space. So when I see myself as nothing, that that is wisdom, Buddhist teaching of there is no separation. And then the Hindu teaching of oneness, yoga, to become one with, right. So, and that is love. And between these two, this life flows. So, um, somebody once asked me, Sattar Maharaj, he says, you teach a lot of things, and I honestly don't understand much of it. <laughs> You talk about a lot of consciousness and this and that. We don't have any other. We talk about a lot of things. 
मैं तो बहुत समय से आ रहा हूँ मेरे को समझ नहीं आया आप जरा सिंपल शब्द में बताइए बता सकते हैं आप सिंपल शब्द में बताइए आई बोल नो प्लीज प्लीज टेल मी इन सिंपल वर्ड्स सो महाराज स्माइल एन ई सेट यू सी डिफरेंसेस आई डोंट दैट्स हाउ यू समराइज इज अंडरस्टैंडिंग यू सी डिफरेंसेस आई डोंट सो ऑफ कोर्स ऑन द सर्फेस देर आर डिफरेंसेस ऑन द सर्फेस आर क्लोथ्स आर वेरी डिफरेंट but actually cloth is similar <laughs> on the surface our skin is very different but actually skin is skin <laughs> on the surface you got o positive i got b positive i have to be b positive right spiritual teacher <laughs> but ultimately blood is blood it's red color <laughs> so as we start going down we start finding that actually it's one substance it's that one substance so maharaj used to say that there is only one ultimately there is only one real fact of life which nobody can argue and the fact is that you are <laughs> you exist right you are that is inarguable you exist there is existence that is the most obvious powerful fact of our experience that i am and that cannot be argued that is and nobody it doesn't need to be uh, nobody has to give you evidence it's just it's just there i am and he also said that biggest fact of your existence is also the biggest ignorance of your existence so how fascinating at once this is the greatest truth and he said at once this is the greatest lie because that is what becomes a division between me and you separation i am and then you are that you know i am this and you are that <laughs> so the this and that starts happening right after that So this is a very interesting line between absolute truth and absolute ignorance. Maharaj called this the final illusion, the final ignorance. So what is it like to rest on that line? To just balance yourself, like to position yourself right in the middle of that line, tuck, and to just sit there. Which is similar to what we're doing here. So I am aware of. What am I aware of? Where is the eye located? Allow this eye to. and relax and to summarize that whole instruction even further it's some it's very simply similar to what you were saying you know be just be and this goes in a different direction our normal momentum is the momentum of becoming to agla kya hoga iske baad kya hoga what happens next what happens next what happens next that's our normal momentum but this is a very different this is about okay wherever you are because ultimately yes, yesterday i was uh, in a in a in an organization i was talking to them and i my question to them was can you tell me when in your life did you feel most alive and they all began telling me instances from their life and they felt most alive and whatever they described was a very complete experience for them for someone it was getting their first bicycle made them feel so complete they were in bliss they said no car after that has given me the joy of my first bicycle <laughs> that first bicycle gave me more joy Than anything else I can imagine. It was just a sense of completeness. Somebody shared an interesting story about getting onto a bus to Ahmedabad, overnight bus. And okay, before they got to the bus, the rickshaw driver tells them, "Sir, 
आपके साथ आज कुछ होने वाला है आपके साथ आज कुछ होने वाला है पर आप परेशान मत होइए सब ठीक हो जाएगा आप परेशान मत होइए डोंट वरी इट विल बी फाइन और आपको छोड़ने के बाद मैं ध्यान में बैठूंगा आप ठीक है रिक्शा गाइस चलेंगे बस वी डोंट नो व्हाट गोइंग ही गेट्स इनटू द बस इट्स अ इट्स अ स्लीपर बस बट ही डजंट वांट टू स्लीप एट नाइट ही वांट्स टू रादर सिट सो ही आर्ग्यू विद द ड्राइवर एंड आस्क फॉर अ सीट इंस्टेड ऑफ अ लाइंग डाउन पोजीशन सो एनीवे ही गेट्स अ लाइंग डाउन अ सिटिंग पोजीशन सो ही सिट्स एंड समवेयर इन द मिडल ऑफ द नाइट बस एक्सीडेंट बूम नाइन पीपल डाई वेयर ही वाज सपोज्ड टू बी स्लीपिंग is exactly where people die and he survives that and he comes home and he's in a trance he's like wow how did that happen and then he remembers what the rickshaw guy said <laughs> and he doesn't even know he just completely what is this person saying and he doesn't even know who the rickshaw guy was and he said he felt that was the time in his life he felt completely alive when you have a close brush with death you feel very alive Some of us were in Bir recently, Himachal Pradesh, uh, and we were doing a retreat. And at the end of the retreat, because all day long in the in Bir in Himachal, you see less birds and you see more paragliding. <laughs> because right next to next to the monastery is a mountain, which is one of the world's top paragliding destinations. So you see fewer birds in the air, and you see more paragliders in the air all the time. So obviously you get influenced. So some of us decided we we'll also go paragliding. And what an amazing! I also went. What an amazing experience. And of course. You're on the edge of life and death, aren't you? Because after all, jumping off a mountain <laughs> with trust in some piece of fabric <laughs> that you'd be somehow supported. <laughs> But what do you know, right? What do you know? And yet, everyone who did that jump, they said, one of the best experiences of my life. So when they had a brush with death, when they came close to death, they felt most alive. And how many of us are seeking safety and comfort? and the more safety and comfort you seek in a way the more dead you become the less alive you become the more comfortable it is we say rest in peace right <laughs> <laughs> so safe and comfortable <laughs> nice little box <laughs> but then you're completely dead in that situation So it's very interesting. It's it's between it's between support and challenge where we feel feel maximally alive. It's the teachers that not only support us but they also tremendously challenge us where we grow maximum. The teachers who only challenge you, you hate their class. The teachers who only support you, you fall asleep in their class. <laughs> but the teachers who both support and challenge you, there is infinite growth in that class. What this is how it works. So the more we recognize this beautiful play of support and challenge, this recognition leads to what's called gratitude. Gratitude, a sense of gratitude, so grateful. Everything is happening just the way it should. This is exactly what I need for my awakening. When you have this recognition, this is exactly what I need. And you change. You go from being a spiritual warrior to a spiritual warrior. <laughs> Spiritual warrior wakes up in the morning and says, "Bhagwan ji, or nahi? Ab nahi nahi sehna hota." 
लाइक द प्रोवोबियल स्ट्रॉ दैट ब्रोक्स द कैमल्स बैक अब एक भी आप डालेंगे तो मेरी पीटू जाएंगे और नहीं समझ सहन होता है बस बहुत हो गया ले लो बस एंड यू आर आस्किंग फॉर डिफरेंट सिचुएशन बट वॉट इफ दैट्स द रॉन्ग प्रेयर वॉट इफ इट्स द रॉन्ग प्रेयर टू वॉन्ट बिकॉज देन यू आर एज्यूमिंग दैट यू आर स्मार्टर देन लाइफ लाइक दिस मैन हु वॉज थर्टी ईयर्स ही बीन प्रेइंग टू विन द लॉटरी एंड आफ्टर थ्री ही शाउट भगवान जी तीस साल हो गए मैं कब से आपको मैं प्रे कर रहा हूँ लॉटरी जल्द दिला दीजिए तीस साल हो गए मैं मेरी तो छत्ता उठ रही है आपसे और एक आवाज आती है बेटे टिकट तो खरीद सो वी आर नॉट वी आर नॉट विलिंग वी आर नॉट वॉट इफ देर इज नो मिस्टेक दैट एक्चुअली दैट इज एग्जैक्टली वट यू नीड फॉर यूर ग्रोथ इन डेवलपमेंट and suppose you turn around and say bring it on suppose you know this is there is no mistake and these circumstances are exactly what i need for my growth for my enlightenment some years back i was teaching in kashmir in a conference and uh, a lot of young activists and students had been invited to talk in this event and i was listening to them and i was blown away by how mature these young men young men and women were I mean, these young men and women—they were about 18, 19, early 20s—and the way they spoke, the conviction, the clarity, the deep sense of the fire within their belly, and the things they've done. One person had—you know—we have uh, ancient Buddhist caves in Kashmir, ancient caves, and he's a Muslim, and he sees these caves being destroyed and denigrated. And he launches a big campaign to preserve these caves. No, this is our heritage. You cannot do this. and thanks to him many of these caves have been preserved he is a muslim he doesn't have to do this they don't even believe in idols he said no this is our heritage and he spent the last 5 6 years raising money and doing uh, raising awareness he's preserving those ancient that's our heritage of our country so young people like this doing amazing things and all of them deep sense of sadness what's happening to our valley you know we're getting nicely peaceful between these two countries each one using us for our own advantage you can feel the pain that they have so it was my turn to speak I told them listen I travel different parts of the world I travel all over India as well I meet a lot of young people and most of them are talking about aapne wo nayi movie dekhi hai dear zindagi aapne wo nayi right what's the latest phone what's the latest brand what's the latest movie that's what they're talking about I don't see them talking about talking like you so let me tell you as far as I'm concerned you are far more mature and you have got a lot more at your young age than most people else i most people in the rest of the country or the world that i see so you see that tremendous challenge okay then a manthan there was a manthan of the samudra and two things came out of it there was amrit and there was vish there was amazing ambrosia and there was poison right tremendous poison and both things come out which means that both support and challenge So it's precisely in the most difficult times of our life that the maximum treasures also come out. That's what happened. There's a deep drilling happening inside of us. There's a quote, I forget who it's by, that it is the the sorrow car that the sorrow that carves into us creates the space which can hold the joy. So unless that sorrow carves and drills into you, how will you be able to able to contain that joy? You can't. It's the same nervous system, right? <laughs> If the nervous system can't handle the pain how will it handle the bliss if it can't handle the blister how will it handle the bliss <laughs> it requires both <laughs> right
So support and challenge. The more you recognize this play of support and challenge, that's called gratitude. And this is beautiful. In gratitude, nothing is out of place. And all you can say is, please say with me, how wonderful. <laughs> and you actually say it from your heart. You say, it's wonderful. It's beautiful. This is the way it is. And there is something wonderful in this. I'm sure there is something, there is some blessing in this, there is some gift in this. And sure enough, you're proved right. Those who think like that, there's something good in this, there's something good in this, they're proved right. You always balance your mind in this way. Support and challenge play with each other. There is no absolutely good thing that ever happens, there is no absolutely bad thing that ever happens. <coughs> Phone rang, we'll take a deep breath. How wonderful. <laughs> 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 so you always feel supported. So I think most of us right now, we, most of people tend to feel overly challenged. They feel like everything is too many challenges, too many challenges. If you're feeling overly challenged, you need to balance your perception by noticing how supported you are. We don't notice the ways we are supported. When was the last time you thanked your index finger? <laughs> if you didn't have an index finger, wouldn't it be difficult to write? Wouldn't it be difficult to fill out that bank form? <laughs> Wouldn't it be difficult to dial that phone? Right? It would be, right? When was the last time you thanked your index finger? But that's supporting you, but you don't notice it until it's injured. Until something happens. There's a lovely quote I read, I woke up this morning. When I woke up this morning, I opened two gifts. But there you are the two gifts. My eyes. <laughs> Every morning you get to open two gifts. When was the last time we were grateful for those two gifts? So we have to actively cultivate when TV channels are telling us all the time what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong, then you have to doubly cultivate what's right, what's right, what's right, what's right. There is so much that's right. And that balances, and then again you're back to the flow. Oh, it's beautiful. Just the way it is. So we have to become, it's called, please say with me, master, master. storytellers. Storytellers. <laughs> you can change the story. You tell the story in a different way. Like, for example, a lot of people feel pain about the planet right now, the condition the planet is in. And really, it is amazing the way this planet, we're just completely eating it up, devastating it. One of my friends said that uh, if the bees disappear, the ecosystem will collapse. If the ants disappear, the ecosystem will collapse. If the humans disappear, the rivers will run clean. <laughs> the forests will grow. <laughs> And for the first time in Delhi and Gurgaon, you'll see the blue sky again. <laughs> in Gurgaon, you can only see brownness. Everything is uniformly brown. There you go. Right. Huh? In Pune, there was a rickshaw strike. The whole sky was clean. <laughs> Two day rickshaw strike, and now you can actually feel the air, you can actually feel it lighter. <laughs> right? So, but can you be master storytellers? Can we change the story? So, my wife is a ecologist, she's into environment and ecology. So she said to me that one thought really helped her calm down about what's happening to the planet. And the thought was, what if trees invented humans to fill the atmosphere with carbon dioxide? Because trees <laughs> like carbon dioxide. <laughs> what if trees invented humans so they could fill the atmosphere with carbon dioxide? Because <laughs> trees thrive with carbon dioxide. <laughs> And in many ways, trees are actually much wiser than us. Imagine, they're just there, they're just so regal. And you know, being in a tree's presence, you feel calm. There's something about just sitting in Buddha got a light under a tree. There's something about a tree that's just so calming, it's just there. 
and it's just giving it's giving all the time it never asks you niche aa rahe ho kitna doge mujhe kitna paisa doge main niche baithne ke liye it's just there tree is just there in fact my teacher somebody asked him are you enlightened my teacher smiled and said i'm like a tree in the forest and what does it mean somebody comes looks at the tree and said that's nice wood let me cut this tree a bird comes and makes a nest in the tree a very traveler comes and rests under the tree somebody looks for the fruit of the tree everyone is getting from the tree what they're expecting the tree is just being the tree <laughs> the tree is just the tree people come with their own deep breath <sighs> how wonderful how wonderful the tree is just being the tree right now this is when we're just in our center we're in our center we're present and instead of reacting to life we are responding to life we are responding whatever is coming in that moment whatever needs to happen happens we just trusting that it's a very different way of living one of my the people i admire jacob liverman wrote a book called wisdom from an empty mind unfortunately it's not it's out of print it's not available but one of the first stories in that book and jacob liverman is a very multifaceted person he's one of the leading scientists on light he studied light the phenomenon of light very deeply he's also a expert on eyes he's also an amazing teacher and philosopher so he was invited to give a talk and as he's going to give a talk he's carrying you know the index cards and on the index cards are his notes of all the things he wants to say and as he's approaching the podium a thought occurs to him that he has prepared every sentence of a talk on which he's supposed to be an expert <laughs> <laughs> and this thought really i mean it really jerks him like he's stunned by this thought he's so stunned that his hand loosens and all these cards suddenly fall on the ground and he leaves them on the ground he steps on the podium and he shares with the group his insight that i just realized i had prepared every sentence of a talk in which i'm supposed to be an expert and the moment he says that the whole audience takes a deep breath <sighs> <laughs> and then he speaks from his heart instead of speaking from his notes he speaks from his heart and he says that one hour talk on it on learning adult learning to the talk on adult learning it goes from being a one hour talk to a three hour talk nobody wants to leave that room this is one of the best talks he ever gave in his life and so what i learned from that please say with me it takes endless preparation to be who i'm not to be who i am it takes no preparation it takes no preparation but i it's no preparation so as long as you try to be something become something prove something project something you're going to keep on running 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 and nothing will be good enough your pen will always be cheaper than the other person's pen <laughs> right your watch will never be good enough what you have to say will never it's always comparison it's always me against you but what is it just like to be who i am as i am right so as long as they try to compare we will always be either feel superior or inferior the buddha and I, when i read this i was stunned one of the teaching of the buddha in sutta nipata he says that if you think you are superior to someone you're deluded if you think you're inferior to someone you're deluded and here's the here's the one that really shakes you up if you think you're equal to someone you're deluded <laughs> right and look at my fingers is one finger superior to the other 
is one finger inferior to the other is one finger equal to the other <laughs> you see that they just are the way they are right is one child superior to the other inferior to the other it's all relative right the context what is the context in certain contexts a thumb is a better finger but in certain contexts if you want to clean your ear then maybe the little finger is better <laughs> thumb is not so good at cleaning the ear little finger will go deeper <laughs> so what is the context what are you trying to do based on what you are trying to do different fingers will have got different different values so each one of us in different contexts we're going to shine i uh, saw this lovely video someone sent me i think jyoti you sent you sent this video uh, on whatsapp about this person who's a archer he's a master archer and my goodness every time he shoots it goes right to the center of the bullseye and these people have gathered and they're all clapping clapping what an amazing archer every time he shoots but there's one person who's not clapping and he's saying just practice <laughs> it's just practice <laughs> so every time he shoots everyone is clapping very excited and one person is just practice and this guy gets very irritated this archer and says what do you mean you think you can shoot like this <laughs> and the man says no i can't but can you do what i am about to do and he takes a thin tube of glass and below that is a container like you know big and he pours oil and the oil goes right through without a drop spilling out and goes straight inside and says can you do that <laughs> and the archer says no i don't think i can do that just practice <laughs> so the point of the story is what are we practicing what are we practicing day in and day out what are we practicing So in Indian tradition we say there are different states of consciousness so please say with me tamasic tamasic rajasic rajasic satvic so tamasic is when you practice fault finding right what's wrong with me what's wrong with you what's wrong with this place what's wrong with the world and you can become a phd in fault finding <laughs> in every situation you'll find something that's wrong there would be two twins and one would always fault find and one would always be happy and the father was say, how come they both twins but they're so different he just do an experiment on their birthday of course the same day he makes a surprise he gives a surprise in one kid's room he fills it up with toys and gifts in one kid's room he fills it up with shit <laughs> so the kids come home says go to go and open your room so the first kid is always complaining he opens his room and it's full of toys and gifts and he says oh no <laughs> father said what happened you got all the toys and gifts he says oh no what happened all my friends will be jealous of me now <laughs> and the other one opens his room and says oh wow and the father says what happened he says there's so much of shit there must be a pony somewhere <laughs> you see drishtikon the perspective so if you always are seeing what's wrong tamasic then the world becomes a dark place for you because you're always seeing what's wrong what's missing what's wrong what's missing what's wrong what's missing then guess what it's it's a dark and and dull place if you get the news that you have been diagnosed with cancer suddenly the world becomes very dark and heavy but then in the next message you get so sorry the names got mixed up you're just fine <laughs> and the world is more beautiful than ever before <laughs> how come it's a perspective So if you practice fault finding that's called tamasic that's called a victim mind that's called giving your power away to circumstances if you practice seeing possibilities in everything seeing what's possible right and how can i make things better 
That's the Rajasik mind. How can we improve things? How can we make things better? Right? And usually it's from a sense of how can I experience things better? What can I get is the mindset. That's called Rajasik. The third one is Satvik, how can I serve? Now this is a shift from the content of your experience to the quality of your experience. So more important than having food in a five-star restaurant is having food with friends anywhere because it's a high-quality experience. It's not just the kind of food you get, it's the kind of people you're with when you're having that food. You enjoy it so much more. And have you noticed when you're super hungry, then even the dhaba khana is so delicious. <laughs> because when you're really hungry, and on a long bus journey, when your bladder has to be so full, any toilet. <laughs> we all went to Bodh Gaya, and you know, it's in, amazing, all over the world people come to these places, Bodh Gaya and all that. On the way there are no toilets. <laughs> so in our bus, is Reena here? I was there. Nah, so you were there. So Reena was uh, one of our friends, Reena was sitting in front and she had this amazing ability to spot toilets. <laughs> so suddenly in the middle she said, hai. <laughs> And the bus driver put this brake and the whole bus will come. And we'd all merrily jump out and we'd go and we'd find this one little small toilet and we'd all line up over there. <laughs> and then some people are going to the fields and we all kind of very happy. <laughs> because when your bladder is so full, any place is fine. <laughs> so it's a matter of, you know, it's the quality of the... When you understand it's about the quality of your experience, that's called Satvik. And so Satvik, you're not so caught up about the impression you're making. It's about the state of your mind. So one is about what you don't like, what you don't want. Second is what you really want. And third is about seeing the goodness, seeing the beauty in everything. <coughs> but there's something beyond this as well. So please say with me, Nirgun. Nirgun, nirgun means no qualities. It is, it is without qualities. So let's try this. Notice what you're seeing. Notice what you're hearing. Notice what you're feeling. Just be here. Nice deep breath. So as we did that, let me ask you in the last minute or so, did you think of how big or small your house is? Yes or no? Did you think of what your name is? No. Did you think of your gender, I'm a man or a woman or somewhere in between? No. <laughs> Did you think of, uh, am I young or old, my age? Did you think of how educated or uneducated I am? No. Did you think of uh, how many 500 rupee notes I still have to convert? <laughs> Did you think of any of those things, right? Did you even think of your religion? What is my religion? No. Did you think of your nationality? No. Did you think of what species you are? <laughs> Now all the things we normally, when I ask you who are you, you say, okay, I, this is me, my name, this is what I've studied, this is where I live, and this is the current challenges I'm facing. All of those stories were not available to you. So this is called all the normal definitions, the coordinates of who I am, who I'm not, were not available to you. This is called, say with me, nirgun. Yeah. So all the gunas are absent. As we entered this building, we had to leave our cars behind, or our two-wheelers behind, whatever we came in. As we entered here further, we had to leave our shoes behind. And in order to listen to me, you have to leave all your thoughts behind. 
Otherwise, you're not able to listen to me. Otherwise, what you're listening, what you're, what I'm saying is mixing up with something else. It's getting all strange. I realized this as a teacher. You know, I, people, I would share people all not that. Yes, yes, you've understood. I said, great. Now, can you just explain to the person next to you what you've understood? And I listened to them. They're sharing something totally different. <laughs> you never know what people are getting. <laughs> Everyone's getting whatever they're getting. <laughs> you play Chinese whispers. You know what happens in Chinese whispers. So you tell someone, and they're very confident to the next person, and confidently, 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 totally different message comes up by the end. <laughs> That's how it goes. But nirgun means there is a certain state where there is no definition. So I'm going to say it a different way. When I asked you to come into the present, I'm going to say it a different way. I took away your name. I took away your money. I took away your family. I took away your home. I took away your religion. I took away your nationality, your identity. I took it all away. But let me ask you, were you okay? Yes or no? Yes. In fact, were you a little bit more okay than normal? Yes. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? But normally we feel I need to create something out of myself in order to be okay. So the house has to be a little bit bigger. The car should fit, right? And the, uh, the education should be a little bit more. And the money situation should be a little bit better. And once all of those things are just right, then I'll be okay. Now this is called doing things for happiness. And what we are learning today is, let's say together, doing things, doing things. from happiness. Oh. It's a very big, big, it's a shift of consciousness. <coughs> Instead of doing things for happiness, so for happiness is I come and sit here and I have a mental image that by the end of the talk, these people should be clapping really loudly and then they should not sit down and they should give me big hugs and then it will be a successful talk, right? So I'm waiting, I'm looking at your faces and saying, they're not looking that inspired. <laughs> and then I'm in trouble, right? Because I have a mental image that by the end of it you should be super happy and you should be really you know, willing to do anything for me by the end of it. But then I'm doing things for happiness. But suppose I come here and I get really comfortable in my skin and I say, I'm just here to be. I'm not here to prove anything or become. I'm just here to be. And I also invite all of you to just be. And we don't know what will happen in this talk. We don't know how it will go. It may go well, it may not go well. Right. And then it actually turns out to be better than anybody could have planned. It could have been better than what I planned or what you planned or what anybody planned. Because then, because you created a space for grace to come through. Now life can take over. Instead of my little plan or my little experience, now grace can take over. And then not only will you enjoy this talk, even I'll enjoy this talk. I, there was a teacher in Chhatarpur, uh, they have a place called Gobind Salan. And there's a Sikh teacher who had all kinds of awakenings. I went there in college when a, friend, a teacher of mine took me there. And this teacher channels Guru Nanak and Jesus and Krishna, all he's quite uh, open to all religions and he channels them and, he, and wisdom comes through him and he has a lot of followers and uh, one thing he said was I am myself amazed at what comes out of my mouth <laughs> I found that so beautiful I am myself amazed at what comes out of my mouth in other words he's as much listening to himself as other people are <laughs> you talk about being a witness you, know? you yourself are a witness of this life you are yourself witnessing the drama of this life. Nirgun avastha. So when nirgun hai, so then there is no lack, there is no less or more, it just is. Things just are the way they are. So if you want a higher quality of life, then let's shift the state of consciousness. You could be in the world's most beautiful place in a tamsik avastha, in a very dull, victim-minded avastha, state of being, and you will be totally miserable. 
or in a rajasik avastha trying to prove something, get something, accomplish something, become something, it'll be a little bit better, but it'll still be restless. Or in a sattvic avastha, you're grateful and you're connected and you're peaceful. But the small little missing thing in sattvic is you still imagine that first of all you are experiencing this and you also imagine that if only more people could experience this. So sattvic people you find all the time, you know, so this idea that something has to be improved in the world. If you're coming from the idea that something has to be improved in the world. I remember writing on Facebook once that let's say this together. Dear God, please save the world from all those who are trying to save the world. School children were given an assignment. Please, uh, on the weekend, you have to help someone. Come on Monday morning, you would have helped someone. And school children, being school children, forgot about the assignment. Monday morning, on the way to school, they remember, what are we supposed to help someone? <laughs> and they remember they're in big trouble now because they haven't done it. So they see an old lady and they hold her hand and they help across the street. And somebody else holds the hand and makes across the street. <laughs> and they make across the street. But the poor lady doesn't want to cross the street. <laughs> Nobody asks if she wants to cross the street. <laughs> so we assume that we know, <laughs> but do we really know? Right? A friend of mine is a social worker and he talked about a village in India where these do-gooders came and they saw that the lake in which they would drink their water from was the same lake in which their buffaloes would bathe in. And this is very unhygienic. And they began telling me, it's very unhygienic, it's very unhygienic, it's very unhygienic, it's very unhygienic, it's very unhygienic. As soon as you tell me, it's very unhygienic, 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 sick. You see? So in the name of doing good, how much trouble we create? I'm reading now, you know, we use all these strong antibacterial soaps. And I'm reading now how damaging those antibacterial soap that completely kill on your hands is a whole micro, micro, micro flora, what do you say, the micro, micro, uh, biotic, micro, oh, come on, bacteria, there are healthy bacteria in this world, right? And so if you kill all of them and you're having these strong chemicals, then that's going to affect your internal microbiomes. And so a lot of autoimmune diseases are coming because we've kept our children too protected from getting uh, germs. We don't let them play anywhere. We don't let them interact with other children. So guess what? Their immunity is compromised. So what we thought we're doing out of great goodness turns out to be the worst thing we're doing. So this is very wonderful to get a sense of just because I feel it's right doesn't necessarily it's always mean it's the best thing. Just because that's your assumption. In the retreat, we just had a five-day retreat and we were meditating. And for me, one of the bigger insights was as I was meditating, this very interest, curious feeling, I recognized that deep down, I'm really sure I'm right. <laughs> I realized deep down, I'm sure I'm right. <laughs> now, I can be a good listener, I can say, yes, yes, your perspective and your perspective, but ultimately, I'm right. <laughs> I realized how deep this goes, right? And just to be able to see that was a relief. I said, yeah, it's interesting. How deep this goes, a sense of I am ultimately I am right. So it's a perspective, it's a point of view. It is a way, it is not the way. And all the problems, we all know that the biggest amount of blood in this world has been shed by religions. Each one thinking that they are right. It's always like that. And of course, not only religions, even governments. Each one thinking that they are right. I am right, you are right. 
Each one fights like this. Can we be graceful? Can we give space? Can we let things flow? A lovely story of Winston Churchill walking down in the narrow alleyway in the UK Parliament. He's walking down and the leader of the opposition is coming. Now this is a narrow pathway, right? Both of them can't really go through. They're big, they're big people. And the leader of the opposition puffs up and says, I don't give way to fools. <laughs> and Winston Churchill smiles, gives, steps aside and says, I do. <laughs> right? So can we just allow things to flow? We don't have to fight over everything. You know? When I got married, then we asked, one good thing we did was we asked everyone, give us your favorite relationship advice. It was so fun, it was so much of fun. Everyone wrote down their favorite, all kinds of funny advice came. But the one I remember the most was my Pupaji, who's in his now, his 80s I think, or late 70s. He said, son, I've been married for like 40, 50 years. And let me tell you what I've learned about a happy marriage. He said, whatever your wife says, she's right. <laughs> and of course we all laugh loudly. <laughs> Whatever your wife says, she's right. But somehow that stuck with me. So when Esther and I would get into a disagreement or an argument, I would remember that and I'd ask myself, do I want to be right or do I want to be happy? <laughs> <laughs> so I thought this was a really good one. <laughs> so then I would just swallow my pride and say, just practice with me, maybe. Maybe. You're right. <laughs> and she'd immediately take that opportunity and say, you know what, I am right. <laughs> And then I said, maybe it's true. She said, it is true. <laughs> so this became a habit of ours. So whenever we disagree, I'll say, maybe you're right to the end. <laughs> maybe it's true, it's true. <laughs> but then after a while, what happened, when she would disagree with me, she'd also say, maybe you're right to the end. <laughs> maybe it's true, it is true. <laughs> but then we would very quickly laugh about it. Because we'd realize, ultimately, what are we fighting about? You know, what difference does it make? Most of the things people fight about, what difference does it make? Husband and wife are taking an evening walk, beautiful park, it's a lovely place, they're enjoying the walk, they're having a nice conversation. And suddenly this bird song comes, bird sound. And the wife says, what a lovely, that, there are ducks here, I don't know the ducks here, duck sound. He says, honey, that's not ducks, that's chickens. Says, no, honey, that's ducks, don't you know ducks? He says, honey, that's chicken, don't you know chickens are ducks? It's ducks, it's chickens, and now, <laughs> big fight, duck, chicken, duck, chicken. And now tears are coming out, I'm telling you it's ducks. And he's wondering, what am I doing? We are enjoying our walk. Who cares if it's ducks or chickens? So let me hear again. He says, you know what? I think you're right. It is ducks. <laughs> and she hugs him and says, yes, you're right. It's ducks. And they enjoy their walk together. How many of our fights in our life are duck and chicken kind of fights? How we created a big deal out of something that's really so simple. Yeah, once in a while, you may want to really stand up for what you believe in. But not every single thing has to be a life and death fight. Mm -hmm. Let's take a minute of silence. <coughs>
come back to the practice you learned earlier about what am I aware of? And where is the I located? Now invite this I, wherever you're feeling it, however you're feeling it, to open and relax. Open and relax. Instead of being a bubble in your experience, let it become one with this experience. Meditation is a well-deserved holiday from seeking any particular experience. We can all take a few slow deep breaths.
if you want, you can rub your hands, make them nice and warm. Bring them over your eyes. Over your face. And let's say together, how wonderful. How wonderful. <coughs> so a good summary of what we are learning here, let's say together. Return to center. Release the center. So a lot of spiritual practices about coming to center, whatever center. Each teacher will give you a different center. Someone will give you a mantra. Someone will say come to the breath. Someone will say come to a feeling of love. Each teacher will give you a different center. They typically they'll give you what works for them or what they think will work for you. Right? They'll give you some kind of a center. So return to center. From the complexity and the diversity, come to a, some certain unity. Come to a certain simplicity. Like for example, one of the greatest, most famous meditation teachers in Thailand, Ajahn Sao. By the way, Ajahn comes from the Indian word Acharya. Acharya goes to Thailand, going, 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 becomes Ajahn. Right? And uh, by the way, did you know that uh, the, uh, the Sanskrit word Dhyan in Pali becomes Jhana? And then it goes to China, becomes Chan. And goes to Korea, becomes Son. And goes to Japan, becomes Zen. So the word Zen actually comes back from Dhyan. And Indians feel very happy. Haan, sabko India mein hai. Okay, so Ajahn, Ajahn Sao, a great meditation master of uh, Thailand. Also famous because he's one of the first teachers who had the courage to leave domesticated monastic life and go back to the forest. But what had happened was Buddhism had become very confined, living in temples, being taken care of by the community. And he said, no, that's not the way the Buddha lived. The Buddha actually lived in the jungles, in the forest, and practiced there. So he actually began, and many people followed him like this. He's one of the founding fathers of the, what's called the Thai forest tradition. And Ajahn Sao was famous for not teaching too much. He would not speak too much. So if people would come to him, teach us something, give us instructions, they would not get a flowery talk for two hours like I'm giving. They just, he'd just say, okay, repeat the word Buddha. Repeat the word Buddha. Okay, how should I repeat? No, just repeat it. <laughs> when should I repeat? Just keep repeating. <coughs> how long? Just keep repeating. And he would not give me this, just do it. <laughs> no, no, no flourish. What does the word Buddha mean? Awake. Buddha means Jagaruk. Awake. And so the mantra was Buddha. So the all, and they're supposed to keep repeating in their mind Buddha, Buddha, Buddha. When you're walking, Buddha, Buddha. When you're breathing, Buddha, Buddha. Whole day long, Buddha, Buddha, Buddha. Awake, awake, awake. Right. Any challenges they come, they come with having this difficulty, that difficulty, what will he say? Yeah, just repeat Buddha. <laughs> no, keep doing it. Didn't give too many instructions. And then after a while, the mind starts getting settled. When the mind starts getting settled, interesting experiences start happening. I'm getting these amazing dreams. I'm feeling these amazing sensations, right? I'm hearing these amazing things. I'm having these visions. I'm seeing past lives, future lives. I'm seeing ghosts, I'm seeing heaven, I'm seeing devtas. He said, I didn't ask you to do all of that. I just said, repeat Buddha. <laughs> Go back to Buddha. Repeat Buddha. <laughs> We're repeating Buddha, Buddha, Buddha. And at a certain time, Buddha gets so established, so solid, that it is happening, like you know, your breath is happening involuntarily. You're here and you're listening to me, but your breath has been going on all along. You never had to give it any attention. Right? Oh, I forgot to breathe, oh my goodness. No, <laughs> breathing is happening anyway. In the same way, Buddha gets so established, Buddha is happening anyway. Now when it gets that established, and they come to the teacher and say, it's so established now, then he would say, all right. Now, he would say, who is chanting Buddha? 
who is aware of this Buddha? So he, what he did was he got you to a center, and the center in his case was Buddha. And once I got really solid, then he said, well, who is, now ask yourself, who is chanting Buddha? You can't chant for Buddha. I am chanting, but who is the I that's chanting? Where is the I that's chanting? So return to center, and this is the first part of our practice, which is to stabilize our mind, to calm our mind, to make our mind more serene and stable. But once it is serene and stable, there's one more step, and that is understanding what is really this? Who am I? Otherwise, the serene mind by itself, though it's a pleasant experience, does not lead to wisdom, does not lead to insight. This is what the Buddha talked about when he met his different teachers, Alar, Kalam, and Uddha, Kalam, Putra. He met these teachers and he went to great states of dhyan. Eight, Pari in jhana. So the eighth jhana, these are very high levels of samadhi. And he said, no, something is still missing. Something is still missing. And his teachers had nothing more. All the teachers said, come now, teach with me. <laughs> and he said, no, something is still missing. So he left all the teachers. He first tried to uh, mortify his body by not eating food and, and you know, tried to torture his body because he thought the body is the obstacle. He realized that's also not the way. And finally he just sat under the Bodhi tree. And he began just simply sitting. When sitting, just sit. Don't try to have a particular experience. And then the whole mystery began to unfold, began to open up. So you come to center, and then you release the center. And then the ball spins by itself. What has to happen? So the body and mind. What the body has to do in this world, the body does. What the mind has to do in this world, the mind does. The body does its body thing, the mind does its mind thing. And we stop chasing ye unachi, ye unachi. We let the body, let, let it fulfill its karma. Let the body and mind fulfill its karma. Without getting so affected, without getting so involved. And there's, such, there's a beauty in this, there's a real ease in this, there's a naturalness in this. We let things be. Nisargadat Maharaj, this briefly his story, he uh, was born in a poor family, a village family. They moved to the city of Bombay, living in a small tenement in Bombay. And uh, little by little, he's very entrepreneurial, so he opens a BD shop. He first tries jobs and all that doesn't work. Starts up, opens a BD shop. BD shop is doing really well. Opens multiple BD shops. He's really getting there. He's street smart. He's making a lot of money. Successful young businessman. And then someone takes him to meet this teacher. And he goes, and the teacher says something very simple. He says, who are you? And he says, I'm this person. And the teacher says, you are not who you think you are. Find out who you really are. I love that. You are not who you think you are. Find out who you really are. You are not the content of your life. The content of your experiences. That is not who you are. That's what happened to you. Who are you really? And that is enough. Sets him on a journey. And this inner inquiry ignites within him. And he stays with his teacher for a few years. And his teacher passes away. When his teacher passes away, he feels what is there in all of this? He leaves his household life and for the next few years he's wandering all over India like a mendicant. He's about to go to the Himalayas forever when he meets a Guru Bhai in Delhi somewhere, North India. And the Guru Bhai says, this is not the teaching of our teacher. Our teacher never emphasizes becoming a renunciant. Our teacher is the household tradition. You should go back to your home. So he gets convinced, goes back home. By now most of his BD shops have closed. One is left. So he just takes care of this one shop. And he works as little as possible. Then he comes back above his home, he makes a mezzanine floor, and all his spare time he spends just sitting and doing what we did right now. Where is this I? Who is this I? What is this I? And just resting the incontrovertible, unarguable fact of life that I am. Instead of getting into what I should be, what I could be, what everything else, it's all together. How wonderful. How wonderful. 
Welcome back. And so instead of getting into all of that, simply the fact I am. And to stay with that, to rest in that awareness, I am. And he would just rest in it. And he said, in my case, it was rather quick, he said. It just took three years. <laughs> and what happened as a result of that? As a result of that, he had this, um, he's living in this, right next to the red light district of Mumbai, a noisy, noisy place. If you listen to the audio recording all the time, you cannot believe. Like, this is nothing, by the way. There's like, honka, the honking, thing, the, 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 and people from around the world are gathering to a little, little room. In fact, his room is so small, only 20, 20, 22 people can be accommodated. So when new people come, he scans and sees who's been there longest. So you, get up, go. <laughs> so, you're not even allowed to be there, and he doesn't want to expand this place, right? He's living there. And on the walls are pictures of all these great saints. His own teachers, and Ramana Maharishi, and Jiddu Krishnamurti, all enlightened teachers. And in between, there is a picture of Shivaji Maharaj. So people say, Shivaji Maharaj's picture is all saints. How come Shivaji Maharaj's picture is there? And he says, actually, we have uh, our brand of uh, BD is, uh, is Shivaji BD. And my, my son thinks if I put up that picture, it would be good for business. So I put it up. <laughs> <laughs> and you see his videos, he's smoking away videos. And people are saying, how can you smoke? He said, well, if I'm going to sell it, I might as well. <laughs> if I'm going to sell it, I might as well smoke it as well. And next to it, the Agarbati is like, trying to cover his BD smoke with the Agarbati smoke. <laughs> it's a big comical thing going on over there, right? And he's just being himself. He's just being, and I love that. He's just being himself. He's not trying to put up a show of being some great master or anything. He's just being totally himself, totally natural. And I love that. Can we just be natural? Is he the author of Iron That? Yeah, he was not the, he was not the author. He never wrote anything. But his, his works, his, his talks were translated into I Am That. So the main thing here is your body and mind is going to do its body and mind thing. Why are you getting so identified with what is happening by itself? Breathing is happening, heart is beating, stomach is digesting, and brain is pumping out thoughts. <laughs> Let it do it. <laughs> And that's a real relief. So return to center and then release the center. So have you ever seen a cat or at least a video of a cat chasing a ball of wool? Have you seen that? Cats love this. Cats love chasing balls of wool. So they chasing the ball of wool. So imagine chasing, 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 chasing. What happens in the end? Poof. The ball disappeared. You could also get entangled. That can also happen. <laughs> the ball disappeared. But let me ask you, was there ever a ball to begin with? There was only wool. <laughs> so as we are hunting this eye, Ramana Maharaj is hunting the eye, hunting, 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 searching, 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 poof, the eye disappeared. Was there ever an eye? Or there was just an impression of an eye? A cup, empty cup, has empty space, right? When the empty cup, when the cup breaks, what happens to the space? Still there. So the whole point of what we're learning here is to get in touch with something. I call it happiness for no reason. Four kinds of happiness. Let's learn this. No happiness. No happiness. for the wrong reason. <laughs> happiness for a good reason. What's the fourth one? Happiness for no reason. Remember we learned earlier tamsik? Now tamsik is no happiness because you're always fault-finding. That's no happiness. Rajasik is happiness for the wrong reason. Why? You're focusing on events of your life to be happy. 
when I get that promotion, when I get that new car, when people praise me, when, 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 then I'll be happy. You're going to have few and far between days and no matter how much you accomplish compared to someone is nothing. So it's happiness for the wrong reason, you're looking in the wrong place. Third is happiness for a good reason, so we come together for a gathering like this. Right? And we uh, are present and we are connecting to ourselves and each other. And you're laughing at the right time at all the right jokes. <laughs> and, and it happens for a good reason. You're with your friends, you're enjoying nature. This happens for a good reason. Nothing wrong in it, not harming anybody. But you know what? Even this talk will end soon. And so if you're always, no matter what, how good the event is, it's going to end. So we have to get in touch with something called happiness for? So the reason we meditate and we do any of these practices is to start getting in touch with happiness for no reason. And happiness in every season. So different kinds of mind states, different kinds of physical states, and we can allow those to come and go. And happiness for no reason, it just is the happiness of being. Now when that happens, like I asked you a little while back, coming in the present, let's get to present again. And in this present, do you have a name? Do you have a family in this present moment? Do you have a home? You've taken everything away, but you're still okay. And now suddenly, your fear of death starts to go away. Because what is death? But everything going away. Now after death, there is no name, there is no body, there is no property, there is no family, there is no this, there is no that. It can be the scariest thing in the world. But when you've done this practice, suddenly that fear is gone. It's a familiar state. It's the empty cup, right? So long we're focusing on the cup, the cup, the cup. But so what if you start focusing on the space, the space, the space? When the cup breaks, you're not disappointed. Our teacher Ajahn Chah picked up a cup, ceramic cup, and said, can you see this? What do you see? The, all the students said, Master, we see a cup. He said, I want you to see this like it's already broken. And they're all surprised, what do you mean? It's because one day it's going to break. <laughs> we don't know how long, could be 10 years, could be 100 years, could be 1,000 years, but a day will certainly come it's going to break. And the day it breaks, you will not be disappointed. So this is very helpful for us because as monks, we're preparing tea sometimes and the cup would slip and break. And we say it was already broken. <laughs> it really is a relief, you know, it was already broken. And so to, take it more, to make it more practical for us, to see all your loved ones like you have already lost them. And then every meeting with them is precious. Then there's no grasping anymore. The truth is, one way or the other, either your platform will come before theirs, or their platform will come before yours. Sooner or later it's going to happen. We don't know when it's going to happen. So time is going to come, and we never know when that time is going to come, and to be ready for it. And when you practice, we practice everything, even going for basic holidays, like we're going to America, or we're going to Lonavla, wherever we're going, we do a lot of planning for it. But for this big adventure, most people have done no planning at all. They give no thought of, of course, you're going to get bewildered when that happens. So what you're learning today is the art of being present and the art of being grateful. And the more masterful you get with this art of being present and the art of being grateful, being a master storyteller, you'll find that all these challenges, it's all right. You, you say, bring it on. Instead of resisting it, you actually welcome it. And it actually lifts your pile. You actually welcome it. It's amazing. And so this is not something only meant for the great spiritual teachers of the world. This is available for all of us. We don't have to keep ourselves so low. I shared this lovely story this morning on Facebook about this uh, 
boy who asks his grandfather, grandfather, what is the value of life? So grandfather smiles and gives him a stone and says, just first find out the value of the stone. But whatever you do, don't sell it. So the boy goes to the market and goes to a uh, fruit, fruit vendor and says, how much do you think this stone is for? And he examines the stone, it's an interesting looking stone. So I'll give you 12, I'll give you a dozen bananas. He says, no, no, I'm not allowed to sell it. So he takes it, goes to a fruit vendor, uh, a vegetable vendor, how much will you give me? He looks at it, take a sack of potatoes. He says, no, no. He goes to a jewelry shop, how much will you give me? And the jeweler is quite impressed with the stone. So I'll give you a million dollars for this. So I can't sell it. And then he goes to a shop of precious stones where this man is an expert. And he looks at it very carefully and he gets really anxious. He starts pacing up and down, pacing up and down. He says, where did you get this from? I mean, this is the biggest uncut diamond I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing, in fact, I can't even buy this from you because nothing I own in this shop, even if I sell everything, I cannot purchase this stone from you. And he goes back to his grandfather and tells him what happened. And the grandfather says, yes, this is the way it is. The value of the stone each one, from their own perspective, their own point of view, their own limited knowledge, told you the value that they saw. In the same way, different people will see different value in you. Your parents, based on their own wisdom, their own understanding, saw certain value in you. Your teachers saw or didn't see certain values in you. Your boss or your colleagues saw certain value or didn't see certain value in you. But that is there, that, that what they see in you is not telling you anything about you. It's telling you something about them. It's not about you. It's not the diamond's fault that the fruit fellow couldn't see the value of it. He just thought it was a nice you know, paperweight. <laughs> he doesn't realize what it is. So it's not your fault. So we've got to start seeing our own true value and meditation is the way or any true spiritual path is the way for us to recognize our true value. And our true value is, please say with me, ageless, ageless. and timeless. <laughs> Happy for no reason. <laughs> happy for no reason, right? So when you, when you get in touch with happy for no reason, you get in touch with ageless and timeless. Now, to whatever extent, even a little glimpse, glimpse after glimpse, now you don't get fooled so easily anymore. So now when you see people and say, oh, I'm the CEO of this company or I'm a, a maid in some house, you say, yeah, but that's what you're doing. That's not who you are. You see, that's not who you are. And then you have the, to the extent you're in touch with who you are, you recognize who they are. And the very recognition is enough to start creating a revolution in consciousness. But that, so the most we can stabilize our own recognition, we can, we can help other people wake up to their own lives. And this is support and challenge, right? Support and challenge. Support means, please say with me, I love and accept you. I love and accept you. Exactly the way you are. Exactly the way you are. And challenge means, I don't believe for a moment. I don't believe for a moment. Any of the stories, you're telling me about yourself. <laughs> Which means, no, that's not you. That's, that's what, what's happened, but that's not you. Right? Now, this is amazing. So you love and accept them, but you don't for a moment fall for their stories. And when this happens, support and challenge. Uh, in the Zen tradition, they say, uh, how does it go? Please say with me, great faith. Great, great, faith. great, doubt. great doubt. Great awakening. Great awakening. On one hand, you have to have tremendous faith. On the other hand, you have to doubt every single thing you ever heard or believed. And both of these together lead to a great awakening. If you only have great faith, you cannot awaken. If you only have great doubt, you cannot awaken. You need both. You need to have deep trust in yourself and in life. You have to doubt everything you've ever been told about yourself and about life. There was a graffiti on a wall. 
Someone had written, question everything. And someone below that wrote, why? <laughs> so with that kind of attitude, we'll find it's a very joyful joke. Now I want to show you my new toy. This is something I picked up recently. And it makes a beautiful sound. So just enjoy this. one of you, like that teacher who said that it takes endless preparation to be who you're not. And it takes no preparation to be who you are. So what if we are not here to fit some template of what our parents and society has told us? What if you're here? Now, isn't it about time? You really now step out and say, well, what is it really about? There's a book called Born to Win, Transaction Analysis. And they say in that, the first quote in that is, to be yourself, if I say this with me, to be, to be yourself, to be yourself in, a world in a world that's trying its hardest, that's trying its hardest day, and night, day and night to make you everything else, <laughs> is to fight the hardest battle anyone can fight and never stop fighting. And I read that, and maybe I read that when I was in school, but they just made an impression on me. I just memorized that quote. So to be your true self in a world that's trying to convince you, no, no, you're this, no, no, you're that. <laughs> and they just put you into a box right away. They're looking, they're trying to put you into a box. It's so much of fun when people ask me what I do and I come up with strange answers. I spread happiness. The what? <laughs> I say I'm blissfully unemployed. What is that? <laughs> because they're trying to put you into a box, right? And the moment I say spiritual teacher, then you have two reactions. Achha, wo wale. <laughs> Achha, wo baba types. <laughs> or they'll say, oh, you're spiritual. They get very excited, right? Either way, they have an image in their mind. And it's the images, right? So can we learn to dance with these images? Step out of these. Don't, don't fall for them. And don't hold it so tightly. And learn to be fluid with these things. And you've learned a beautiful practice today. In fact, what you've learned, it's, it's called the wholeness process. I learned it recently. Which is, the question was, what am I aware of? Next thing is, 
where is the I located? And finally we said, invitation for the I to open and relax. So just Google wholeness process, you'll learn more about a lady who's developed this process. So there are so many beautiful, inspiring, creative ways for us to live this life. We don't, it doesn't have to be so narrow. And life is here. What is the purpose of life? I remember as a monk sitting one day and this question came, what's the purpose of life? What's the purpose of life? And I got the most simple answer imaginable. So please say with me, the purpose of life, purpose is, of life. is to be alive. <laughs> In other words, what makes you come alive? Would you agree for someone singing makes them come alive? And for someone singing is the most scary thing to do. <laughs> and for someone dancing makes them come alive? And the other ones, please don't make me dance. I have a friend who in Bombay has a dance company. It's called Three Left Feet. <laughs> something like that. Three Left Feet. Something like that. Beautiful. And so, for somebody speaking in public like this makes them come alive. For someone, it's the most scary thing to do. Please don't make me speak in public. Right? They will think for weeks before coming and talking like this. For each of us, different things makes us Can you trust that? Can you say that there is an intelligence in that, a wisdom in that, whatever makes you come alive? So if this nice music makes you come alive, then how nice, let's play around with this. Right. Isn't that a fun instrument? And what I found is many instruments are scary. This instrument, maybe try it again. <laughs> and they all come tapping away. <laughs> because it's a very inviting instrument, right? It's a very friendly instrument. So like this, can we just allow ourselves to be ourselves? And for that, practice being. Being, 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 and then you'll find something strange happens. This being has an intelligence of its own. And it overrides your past, no, but you can't do that, but how will it happen? How is it possible? It overrides all of that. And this being takes on a life of itself. It's very fresh. It's ever fresh. So you enjoy being yourself. You enjoy being with others. And you enjoy seeing the different flavors of yourself that come out with different people. My friends tell me when I, one of my hobbies is board games, so I play board games. Nithya, you play board games, you're so competitive. Oh, you game is competitive. When you're playing a game, you've got to play a game. But also when the other person wins the game, how wonderful. Of course, I try to change the rules, so I win most of the time. Otherwise, how wonderful. And so like this, life can be a really enjoyable journey. So the two things you've learned today, let's say together, happy for a good reason. Happy for a good reason. And happy for no reason. Happy for a good reason is gratitude. And happy for no reason is the art of being fully present. Because everything you're searching for, everything is here. Until you imagine it's missing. Nothing is missing. It's complete. All right, a minute of silence. <coughs> With that, we close. end with a beautiful prayer, wishing happiness for all. Please repeat after me. 
choose to make every day a complaint-free day. I take full responsibility for my own happiness today. No matter what happens, I find myself saying, how wonderful. I always remember, everything is supporting me and the challenges are here to make me grow. I keep on saying, bring it on, you're making me strong. And that is why I'm happy for a good reason. I'm happy for no reason. I'm happy in every season. The highest in me bows to the highest in you. May every day be a happy day of your life. Be a blissful day of your life. And so it is. And so it is. The last. So I'd like to appreciate the Aparna, is it you call it Aparna Trust? Arpana, do you call it Trust or do you call it uh, just Arpana? Arpana Center? Arpana Trust for inviting me and for all of us to be here. And isn't it a beautiful space? Right? So thank you so much. It's been a joy. Thank you. Namaste. You want to say a few words to end? You want to end with a few words or you're done? After all this, no words. No words. Alright, so if you want to be in touch with uh, some of the things I do, then my website is nityashanti.com and especially if you go to nityashanti.com slash register, you'll get a monthly update from me where I'll share something inspiring and also the different events I'm having. And I come to Delhi reasonably often. You can know about the different things I'm doing. Anything else? And uh, whoever wants you can leave your contact details here. If you want to be in touch, especially for Delhi events, then Renuka is one who organizes my Delhi events. So she will get in touch with you for that. All right, thank you so much. Spread your legs and the joy of spreading your legs. <laughs> <laughs> <Come>. <laughs>